Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Now, we, we, we started out in the book of Acts last night. I don't have time to go back into some kind of introduction. So I, I think I need to put a disclaimer on this message before I start. Uh, I, f- I feel kind of like something old might come out in me this morning, and that's not always good. When I was a child, I spake as a child, so I may be speaking as a child before I finish with this message. M.D. Tree said that the Acts of the Apostles could have been more aptly named the Acts of the Holy Spirit because actually it's really not about all of the Apostles. It's mainly about most of the book of Acts is about two Apostles, in particular Peter and Paul. But we have so many timeless treasures from the book of Acts, and this morning, my goal in preaching this message is to find out with you what changed these disciples from cowards to courageous men. We know in the beginning they were cowards. I told Lane that he's going to be shocked when he hears what I'm preaching today after his thought about the devotion. So maybe his was just a prelude. We want to be shaken. It is our understanding that an unshaken church cannot expect to shake the world. And if we are going to shake the world, then the church must be shaken. And in the onset of this book of Acts, The Apostle Luke, the disciple Luke, establishes quickly that he is only writing about the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. There is no conclusion to the book of Acts. There is no, the grace of the Lord be with you always, the end. For Acts has no end. It just ends this way, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence. Somebody say all confidence. No man forbidding him. This translates with all boldness without hindrance. It was the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. One thing is for certain. The book of Acts, the writing of the book of Acts, is the work of eyewitnesses. For Luke, the author of this book, relates what was firsthand to him by often using the pronouns we and us. When in the narrative, in the third person, he used eyewitness accounts. The date of Acts is generally agreed 
to be A.D. 63. It is a continuation of the book of Luke that was written to a Grecian man by the name of Theophilus. Perhaps he was a high-ranking Roman official. Paul called Luke the beloved physician. He called him a fellow laborer. He was the only one who remained with Paul to the end, even when Paul was in prison in Rome. But what was it? For in that dark moment of the trial and the crucifixion, the Bible said all men forsook him. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, the doors were closed and the windows were boarded up. Jesus came right through the walls. What was it then that, that caused these men to become such a force in the earth? That later on in the book of Acts, it would be said of Paul and Silas, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. In Revelation 1 and 7, the Bible said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Luke would write to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 13 and use these words at the end of this book. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Somebody shout the glorious appearing. It's not just an appearing, believe me. It's a glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Understand with me this morning that in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, Luke starts by saying, to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It was like Luke said at the close of his book that he opened the eyes of their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. This is why the book of Acts and the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts is so important and might I say relevant to us today. Because when these men began to fire those first shots on the day of Pentecost, they were fresh from 40 days of the best teacher whoever walked on the earth. Not only was he a great teacher, he opened the eyes of their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Place yourself in their shoes with me for a moment. By many convincing 
or as the King James says, infallible proof. He's alive. This made them unstoppable, boldless, and fearless. This one, as he had said he would do, had raised himself from the grave after three days. Paul would write years later to the church in Corinth and say the number of people who saw him alive was above 500, most of whom, Paul said, remain with us until this day. Some of them are asleep. And even Paul would say, and myself, as an apostle born out of due time, I saw him. We know where he saw him, don't we? In Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, it was like a, the noonday sun, he would later testify in Acts 22. It was a bright life that left him blinded for days. It was a voice that said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he used that Old Testament name for Jehovah God. Who art thou, Jehovah? And the voice came back from our Savior. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Glory to God. Some would suggest that maybe it was just the Holy Ghost falling on these cowards that made the noticeable different. But I want to tell you they were bold before then. For 10 days they were on Solomon's porch. They were continually praising God and preaching the word of God before the Holy Ghost fell on them. No longer would these disciples cower. Instead, it would be said of these men that they loved not their lives unto death. When they were called upon to recant, they said, we refuse not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. It happened in that brief moment. It happened in that brief moment when they watched him go away. This is amazing to me. Put yourself in those shoes to watch him ascend on a cloud like a child watching that helium-filled balloon that has slipped from his grasp and he watches it until it's only a speck in the sky, right? Like those crowds that would watch the space shuttle as it disappeared behind that trailing cloud plume. They would watch it until it was a tiny speck in the atmosphere. But now something is going to happen that is special. And it's found in our text in the book of Acts. It's found where two angels stood by them in white apparel and said unto them. Actually, the Bible said it was two men that stood by them in white apparel and said, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus. Somebody say this same Jesus. I don't think you can hear me this morning. This same Jesus. Not a different Jesus. Not a weakened by time Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This same Jesus 
whom you've seen go away. Why stand you here gazing? This Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So thus our text. Behold, he cometh with clouds. It was that moment that gave him them the courage to be the witnesses that God would call them to be. For on every breath, there was always that thought, he's coming again. He is coming back. And my suggestion to you, it is that it was more than the baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell on them. It was the promise that he's coming back again. They didn't know when. They didn't know when, but they knew how. He was coming on a cloud just like he went away. And so this is why they suddenly became the bold men and women that they were. In Acts chapter 4 and 16, in, uh, he said, what shall we do to these men? This is the Sanhedrin talking, the Jewish leaders who were responsible for more than anyone else for the death of Jesus. For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And so they call them. And commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But from cowards to courageous, from hiding to in the open, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Understand with me, just 53 days and a little longer prior, Peter was lying and denying because he was afraid of these same men. But now the dialogue has changed. It's not in our hands anymore, guys. We cannot help ourselves. Or I love the way the Message Bible paraphrases this verse. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. What made the difference? Two men stood by them in white apparel and said, Why stand ye gazing up into the heaven for this same Jesus? So what does it matter anymore what you do to me? He's coming back. Behold, he cometh with clouds from this day on. Maranatha, which is, there's many different interpretations of the word, but it's pretty much assumed the word Maranatha means the Lord comes. From that day on, Maranatha became the greeting, the salutation for those early day believers in the book of Acts. Instead of saying, hello, how's everything going? It was, hello, Maranatha. The Lord's coming. Do what you wish to do to me. I don't care. He's coming back. 
This same Jesus, not another Jesus. He's coming with clouds. And from that moment on, no threat from the Jewish leaders could shut them down. When they threatened them, they just prayed and said, Lord, behold their threatenings and give us more boldness to speak your word. Can I preach to you now? No trial, no hardship. No persecution, no threats of death itself was sufficient to silence their voices. And when the revelator said, who are these people who came out of the altar and they've got white robes, the angel said, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Let me say it again. Persecution won't stop this group of people. Try and test and even death itself for they love not their lives unto death because they lived with that one word on their lips Maranatha the Lord is coming I wish somebody would shout it out right now behold he cometh with clouds give the Lord a hand clap if you believe what I'm preaching Come on, let's do a little better than that. If you believe he's coming again. If you believe he came the first time, you got to believe he's coming the second time because there's more prophecies about the second coming than there were about the first coming. So he's coming back. And that's what turned their lives around. That's what caused Paul to say later that knowing the time that it is high time. I love Acts chapter 12. It was about that time the writer said that Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. But these were the days of unleavened bread. It was a feast time in Israel. And so he apprehended Peter and he put him in prison and he delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. But Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God unto God for him and while the church prayed God sent an angel was Peter cowering in the prison surely they had him chained surely there were four quaternions of soldiers that were there to guard him was he afraid no he wasn't afraid he was actually asleep the angel had to smite him on the side to wake him up and let me tell you by the end of chapter 12 Herod is dead and and not only is Peter alive, but verse 24 said, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Herod fell over dead and the worms ate his body, but the word just kept growing and multiplied. You can't frighten a man who believes he's coming back. You can't cause a man to cower down in a prison and lay there all night worried about his future. He saw him go up and he heard two men say, he's coming again it ought to give courage to every believer this morning hallelujah 
Come on, church. We can't lose sight of the coming of the Lord, of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Peter would later write and say, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We were made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not telling you something we heard on the grapevine. We're not telling you something we got secondhand on a face call or via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Peter's saying, I just want you to know when I talk about his second coming, I was an eyewitness. Hallelujah. I watched him go up and I heard him say, he's coming back on a cloud. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Paul would write to the Corinthian saints many years later, that whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is dedicated to the resurrection of the dead and that he was buried, he said in verse 4, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas who was Peter and then of 12. And after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present. Some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and after that last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of new time so attuned to the coming of the Lord was that early band of believers that the saints in Thessalonica got to worrying about the beloved saints who had already passed away but when Paul wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians 4 chapter 3 and, and then through 18 he said I would not have you you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not as others who have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again do you believe it do you believe it if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall shall sound and the dead shall be raised and so now you know why they couldn't threaten them and shut them up and now you know why they couldn't keep them put them in prison and shut them up because they believed he was coming again Beloved, now are we the sons of God 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. No wonder Paul would say, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Paul said, I'm willing to be spent. I'm willing to spend and be spent. To Timothy, he said, I'm ready to be offered. My time of departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but to all that love his appearing <laughs> unto them the writer of Hebrews says that do look for him will he appear the second time without sin unto salvation You're not going to box them up. You're not going to tell them this, this journey's too hard. You're not going to tell them this journey's too long. You're not going to convince them it's not worth it. They saw him go away. You're not, yeah, I mean, he went up on a cloud. That's not hard to believe. If you believe in it, he walked on water, you can believe he, he can walk on a cloud. He went up on a cloud. Peter was there. He said, I was an eyewitness. I watched him. I watched him. We were gazing into the heavens and two men in white apparel said, he's coming back. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming back. The same Jesus, not another Jesus. The same Jesus is coming back again. Simon Peter was martyred in Rome during the reign of Emperor Neho, uh, Nero. Neho. That sounds like a good cartoon character. Peter asked to be crucified upside down, tradition says, so that his death would not be equal to Jesus Christ. His brother Andrew went to Patras in western Greece in 69 AD where the Roman proconsul debated religion with him and tried to convince him to forsake Christianity so that he would not have to torture him and execute him. But when it didn't work, he gave Andrew the full treatment. He was scourged and tied and rather than nailed to a cross. It took two days, the passers-by said, for Andrew to die. Don't you know when he hung on that cross? He was putting one eye up in the sky. There's a cloud up there. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. James, the son of Zebedee, was killed by the sword. John was the only of the original 12 who did not die a martyr's death. Philip was a missionary in Asia. He eventually traveled to the Egyptian city of Heopolis where he was scourged, thrown into prison, and crucified. Bartholomew went over and preached the gospel in India where he translated the gospel of Matthew for believers. He was there beaten 
beaten and then crucified and skinned alive and beheaded. You remember he used to be a coward. He's not a coward anymore. He's coming again. Don't talk to me about how hard it is to live for God. What do you mean it's hard to live for God? What do you mean it's a trial living for God? What do you mean you want to love the world? Come on, saints of the living God. If you really believe he's coming back, there's no mountain high enough. There's no valley wide enough. There's no river too wide. It's going to be worth it all. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. They ran a spear through Thomas who was preaching the gospel in Greece. Matthew, a former tax collector turned missionary, was martyred in Ethiopia where he was supposedly stabbed in the back by a swordsman sent by King Herticus. James, the son of Alphaeus, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, was elected by his fellow believers to head the church in Jerusalem. He lived one of the longest lives of those apostles, but he was finally beaten and stoned by persecutors and then he was killed at the age of 94 when someone beat him over the head with a club but you couldn't shut him up Thaddeus according to several stories was crucified at Odessa Simon the Canaanite he preached around the world and he preached in Africa and there he was crucified Randy Alcorn said materialism would dupe us into believing this world is center stage the destination rather than the road to the destination the song songwriter said it best didn't he this world is not my home I'm just passing through I'm not lured by anything on this earth I have set my affection on things above and not on things of this earth how about let's have revival how about let's let the Holy Ghost shake us again and bring us back to our senses how about it brothers and sisters how about an old fashioned shaking moving of the Holy Ghost that'll cause us to take our eyes off of this planet and once again start looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Last week I told you there was a day in my young life when, when Jerusalem, uh, when, when Israel went to battle, when they went across the barbed wire fence in 1967 and the whole church stood on its tiptoes waiting for the coming of the Lord. 1973, when Egypt... Egypt crossed over and started that 1973 war with Israel which only lasted a handful of days ironically because I believe God was flying some of those jet planes. They didn't have a chance against the prophetic word of the Lord. Somebody say amen. The Cold War used to shake us and we had our drills and our classes today. There are nine countries that together possess around 15,000 nuclear weapons. The United States and Russia maintain 1,800 of their nuclear weapons on high alert status ready to be launched within minutes of a warning. Most of the times, most of these bombs are more powerful than the atomic bombs dropped on Japan in 1945. It is said that one singular nuclear warhead if detonated in a large city would kill literally millions of people instantly. But today, the loss of employment shakes us and a doctor's report shakes us and diabetes shakes us. But come on, brother 
brothers and sisters, let's put our eyes back on the second coming of the Lord. For if we get that idea of Maranatha like those disciples had when they started saying, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. And personally, I don't know how as a preacher, I don't know how I'm not an astute Bible prophecy preacher. I don't know how to wake us up. I don't know how to stir us up. I don't know how to get our eyes on heaven. We got it too good. We're living blessed lives until something comes along that shakes us up, right? We're, we're, we're driving nice cars and living in nice homes and eating great food. At least most of us here today are doing so. What's going to shake us up? We cannot. Somebody shout, we cannot. We cannot. We cannot. We cannot forget the Lord is coming. My life is not about this planet. I love living the blessed life. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not acclimated to this world. I'm a pilgrim here. I'm a stranger here. This world is not my home. Woo! Clap your hands again to my Jesus. Come on, do a little better job than that. How about it? He's coming. Behold. Behold. He cometh with the clouds. No wonder, Brother James, the apostle said, we sorrow not as those who have no hope. Nobody, thank you for that song. How did you know what I was going to preach today? Quit moving around on me, all right? Thank you for that song. He's coming. We used to sing about it all the time. I mean, it was every, every service. We had at least one song. Amen? We used to, nobody writes about his coming anymore. Here comes that old child back out in me. Buckle your seatbelts and get ready. And deal with it, all right? On that bright and cloud this morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise. And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. You remember that one? When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On the top of Mount Zion is a city, and the earth with its glory it doth fill. We shall look on its beauty in the morning. Oh, that city home Mount Zion. Now, you don't remember these old songs. And we'd sing some glad morning we shall see. Jesus, we sing it every Saturday night. I thought about it, Sister Nettie, when old brother, what was his name, Jack Peeveler? Every Sunday night, not Saturday, every Sunday night, he was our song leader. Every Sunday night, he'd sing number 116, Heaven's Jubilee, and we sang it about 3,470 miles per hour. That's why I still know the words. I've been singing it since I was knee high to a grasshopper. 
some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. Joy is ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise. Headed for that jubilee yonder in the skies. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. Come on, hurry up, preacher. We got to get to the, we got to beat the Baptist to Bonanza. We, we, we got we to gotta beat the Lutherans to Lubies. Come on, preacher. Don't get to singing those old songs now. We got to get out here and eat. Somebody ought to be singing it. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory. Hallelujah. When we meet our blessed Savior, behold, he cometh. Yeah, that's why you couldn't shut him up. And that's why you're looking at a Christian world today. And I use that in quotes. That's why you're looking at a Christian world who've lost sight of another world. And that's why they're not becoming transformed, but rather being conformed to this world. In many quarters, you can't tell the Christian from the unbeliever, it's not going to happen here. We're going to set our affection on things above. Is anybody ready? The old song said he's ready to come and I'm ready to go. It'll take me a million years to thank the Lord. That'll be a happy meeting in heaven, I know. These are just ones that just popped in my head when I'm sitting in front of my computer. Of course, it don't take much for something to pop in my head. When with all the blessed loved ones, many loved ones we've known here below, Gather on the blessed hilltop with hearts all aglow. That'll be a glad reunion, young day. I think I'll just sing and let you look at me. <laughs> glad day, a wonderful day. Glad day, a glorious day. I got to teach these young people some good songs here. <laughs> when we've lived a million years in that wonderful place, basking in the love of Jesus, beholding his face, it will take but just a moment of praise in his grace. That'll be a glad reunion. Young day, this is what your old grandpa used to sing. You hear me? Glad day. I hope I took a breath, man. A wonderful day, glad day, a glorious day. Or then we'd start singing. When the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin, how we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Hallelujah. Let me get this old Alexandria boy here and sing a little bit. My daddy used to get up, we'd be, he'd say, call Sister Ira, walk her back up and said, sing verse four again. Then the Savior will give orders to prepare the banquet board. When the redeemed are gathering in, then we'll hear his invitation. Come, you blessing. You know it, don't you? My God, you're about to get the Holy Ghost all over again over here. When the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, when the redeemed are gathering in. 
washed like snow. Nothing took the cake like this one, no. Nothing. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. Now we're doing, oh, 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 oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not making fun. That's apostolic yodeling. All right, I got you. I'm not making fun. Hallelujah. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, I behold my Savior there. When before me billows rise from the mighty. I messed up. What? As the Lord directs my bark, He does safely keep. And He leads me gently on. Guiding me. I can see. You know this one, don't you? You don't know this? Oh, I want to see him. Why are you backing up? Look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory. Voice cares all past. I'm home at last. Ever to. That reminds me of the itty bitty bird. Hallelujah. He used to sing that song. We better not lose sight of this. We better not lose sight of this. We better not lose sight of this. You forget he's coming. You'll be worldly. You forget he's coming. You'll think it's more important to pile up treasures on this earth than it is to put some treasures in heaven. You, you, you forget he's coming back. I can't forget he's coming back. If anybody asked you, this came along in the, like in the late 70s and 80s. If anybody asked you where I'm going, tell them for me I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder. I got to get the black man coming out now, Brother Myron. I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. Sing it for me. I'm not trying to show out. I'm trying to make a point. I am going up yonder. This world is not my home. If you're not ready, you ought to get ready. If you've not been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus, you ought to get baptized in the name of Jesus. If you've never been filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8 and 9, Hallelujah, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. You ought to stand on your feet, clap your hands in the name of Jesus. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Oh, fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. By and by. I told you the child was going to come out in me. You see, we sing that a lot more before we had air conditioning in our automobiles. 
before we had money in the bank and we knew where next week's groceries were coming from. When you lived in the depression, I wasn't there, but I heard a lot about it and I've read about it. Brother, when you were a slave in the cotton fields in the South, that's when you were singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, coming forth to take me away. Hallelujah. Now we're wrapped up, tangled up in the world and not Jesus God. Help us to go back to believing the Lord Jesus is coming with clouds. Behold, He cometh with clouds. I wish you'd clap your hands like you believe He's coming. Come on. You don't have to tell anybody you believe He's coming. We can watch our lives and tell if we believe He's coming. Oh, I want you to be able to look at this preacher's life and know that I believe this, that the coming of the Lord is imminent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. to lay in the floor by the old stereo they called it it was really a hi-fi and we had a double what would they call that brother Shane when you got two records in a double record what what was that double something you, you know you get two records it was those long play records and you put them and Andre Crouch was in London playing with the London Symphony and I would lay in the floor in the late 60s, somewhere around in there, early 70s. I'd lose track of time. And I'd lay in the floor and listen to him tell those people at that great concert. He said, I have an announcement to make for you tonight before I leave. And then he started singing, it won't be long till he'll be, no, till I'll be leaving here. I got that a little low. It won't be long. We'll be going home. Count the years. Count the years as months. Count the months. Brother Brad knows them. Count the months as days. No, weeks. Count the weeks. Count the weeks as days. Any day now. We'll be going, we'll be going home. Won't be long, brothers and sisters, till we'll be leaving. I don't know if I'll go by the way of the cemetery or go by the way of the rapture of the church. It matters little to me. The only thing that matters is that I go away. Hallelujah. I remember walking into my daddy's bedroom as he lay on that hospice bed 
He's 92 years old. He gave his life, his adult life for Jesus. I remember walking in, the first words out of his mouth was, Jerry, I have no fear of death. He said, it's hard to leave my family. But he was singing, it won't be long. My brother Dan was sitting there by him one day and he said, Daddy, what do you want to sing at your funeral? He said, Dan, you remember old Sister Martin? Sister Martin was a lady preacher and she was in Rising Star and we'd have, we'd have fellowship meetings and every preacher in the house got to preach. You're six and seven and eight years old. It was a dreadful meeting. You know, they would have 20 speakers and they'd have a main speaker. They didn't know the term short-winded. I've gone to sleep every time I'd go. I'd wake up when my dad was pulling the driveway. would be worried. It didn't matter if you had school the next day or not. We weren't living for this world. Uh-huh. He said, I want you to sing that song at my funeral. My sister Martin used to sing. We'd all forgot it till he said it. Raise it up a little bit. There waits. That's still too low. They're still too low. I told you the child was going to come out. You can go eat if you want to. I'm having a lot more fun than anybody here. There waits for me a glad tomorrow Where gates of pearls swing open wide you got to be real old to know this. Now I forgot the words. That's because I'm real old. And when I pass this veil of sorrow, I'll dwell upon the other side. Someday beyond the reach of mortal kin. Someday God only knows just where and when. The wheels of mortal life will all stand still. And I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. Someday beyond the reach of mortal kin. Someday God only knows just where. And when you got to admit it, the Holy Ghost swept through here when I started singing that. Maybe I'm the only one that felt it. The wheels of mortal life shall all stand still. And I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. You can't preach anymore about that name. (laughs) No, I saw him go away. I heard him say he's coming back. You're wasting your breath. You be the judge whether we ought to do it or not. We can't help ourselves. He's coming again. Hallelujah. Get a hold of somebody by the hand right now and pray that we never lose sight of the second coming of the Lord. Why don't we have a little prayer meeting before we go home this morning. As many as want to gather around the front of this church, come on and gather up here. Someday beyond the reach of mortal kin. Someday God only knows just where and when the wheels 
of mortal life shall all stand still and I shall go to dwell on Zion someday beyond the reach of mortal care someday God